Hi, I'm Colleen McClellan, and this is So, What Do You Do? The show turned one year old last week. Happy birthday, show. Today, I'm talking with Diana Huffmaster. She's the director of Grants and Development Operations at American Dance Festival. The full disclosure is that I was a student at the ADF school in 2007, and then I returned as an intern in 2008. The extremely handsome technical director on staff this summer is also my boyfriend, which is how I ended up in Durham, North Carolina for an entire glorious week. I have been known to donate somewhat to the ADF Scholarship Fund as well, though I don't think Diana knew that prior to the interview, and I did not know about the alumni fund that we discuss. So I'm not being coy when I'm surprised. Um, look, I'm a sucker for dance, and you should be too. So let's find out why. Diana, thank you so much for being on the show. I know that your title is Director of Grants and Development Operations, which is a lot. <laughs> title. And I'm curious, um, how long have you been with the American Dance Festival? This is my second season. I started in the fall of 2014. So this is your first position in ADF? Yes. How did you come across it? I moved from South Florida. I was working for the Kravis Center for Performing Arts as their grant writer in West Palm Beach. We moved, my husband relocated for a job, and I was still writing grants for the Performing Arts Center, and I was okay with moving to the area because ADF was here, because my background is in dance. And when the job posting came up, I thought, this is too perfect. I can't pass this up. So I applied and interviewed, and here I am. That's wonderful. And what is your dance background? My dance background is in modern dance. I studied at the University of South Florida in Tampa, um, receiving my BFA in dance performance. And then I received my MFA in arts administration at Florida Atlantic University, where I created my own program, because one didn't really exist. (laughs) But I was teaching dance there part-time, and they had the curriculum set up for this program they wanted to launch, but they didn't have the funding, but they allowed me to do it. And I took classes through nonprofit management. They have a master's in that, so I was able to put together my own program. But it was, it was challenging, but wonderful at the same time because I was able to teach dance. I studied um, lighting design because I wanted to and then took all my arts administration courses through nonprofit management. I am always interested in how creative artists find their way into the nine-to-five world because it's not all bad, right? Like it's, it's, not, it's not selling out to put dinner on the table. But it can be sort of frustrating. How, how do, you, do you love development? Do you think it's... I think it's important, and mm-hmm. that, was, that is what led me to it. I'm, I've taught dance my entire life, pretty much up until I moved out of Florida, and choreographed. I started a dance program called the Dancer Space that was in conjunction at the Kravis Center and the Duncan Theater in Lake Worth for dancers 18 and older who still lived in the community and wanted a place to take class and choreograph. But I knew when I was an undergrad, I wanted to go into arts administration because I know I recognize from many different experiences of working with other local artists how important it is to know how to support yourself as an artist. 
And that drive kept pushing me into this career to the point where I'm supporting other artists and not myself. <laughs> but being at the American Dance Festival is like a dream because it's my world and it's, it's very important to me what I do. I imagine that being in Durham takes a little bit of the pressure off as far as an arts community is concerned because it's a smaller city it's not as cutthroat as New York is. It doesn't have the living expenses and it doesn't have the sort of saturation of art. Um, how has that affected your sort of outlook on the arts to be in a smaller city with a sort of episodic project? Well, I think I've always been in smaller cities just as you described. In Tampa, Florida, it was very much like that. And Palm Beach County was as well. And so, you know, in terms of they're not like New York, Durham has become very saturated. There is a pretty strong local dance scene here, but there are a lot of other arts organizations and festivals that have moved into the area and really, you know, we've seen ADF kind of pave the way for that. So in terms of support from the local community, we have those that have been giving since we've been here, since the 70s, and hearing their stories are amazing, and they just love ADF, it's been part of their life. And, but then to get the attention of newer support, we do have a lot of competition here. But it, and I would think I've never worked in New York, but there's just a different, sense of urgency from my observation probably in the south than <laughs> in new york and you mentioned that there are these other arts programs not necessarily in dance in the area mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit to how those have a complementary function to adf i think because they offer durham has become a place that offers a wide variety of creative outlets whether that's in film classical music, electronic music, the more the better in a way because you don't want to be a culturally dry city. So it's become very vibrant in that way, but also you need to stay on top of your game to remain relevant. Having a background in modern dance, I imagine is an asset to your position because you have the language set to talk about the thing that you're bringing to people. And not only that, you mentioned that you've taught dance in the past which has its own sort of magical language for making dance accessible and enjoyable. How do you bridge the gap between old and new audiences with ADF? Or is that, or is that even part of your sort of development role? Not, so I think that's more in marketing, but I mean, with funding and foundation writing, it's trying to find something that is going to, that people are going to be able to relate to. And with modern dance and the work that we present, it's such a wide variety. Like you can't really put one label on it, but there really is something for everybody that the festival has. You know, you know if you're into classical music, Paul Taylor may be the show for you. Or there's something for everybody and it's just putting people in the right direction to have that first introduction to modern dance. And from a development perspective, what do you have your eye on for ADF to do next and, and how to finance that? Well, one thing we're launched, or we have launched at the beginning of the season is our alumni campaign. We have in our database, which only goes back so far, about 7,000 contacts of alumni. 
And alumni, we include our past staff, past interns, um, scholarship students, students of the six-week school. So we're going through the tedious process of updating their information, reaching out to them, and encouraging them to come back to this organization that I believe is life-changing for them in some way. And if just giving, even if it's $5 a month to help support ADF and make it accessible and available for other students. And the great thing is the SHS Foundation agreed to match every gift two to one. So your gift, a $5 gift, turns into a $15 gift a month. And so it's just as everybody came in together, it would help continue the longevity of ADF. I like that. You know, as an, as an alumni of the school, of the internship program and of the school, I was laughing on my way here because I was just on the phone with a friend that I met here in 2007 who's going to be on the podcast and just last night saw in the John Jaspers production another student I knew and you know I keep in touch with my roommate from ADF like we're still friendly I know there's a way to diplomatically word this the the alumni fund for a dance community is an inherently interesting problem because if you stay in dance you will not make a killing. Sure. Like, you know, unless you become the producer of So You Think You Can Dance, that's it. Even right. if you're the choreographer, you're not going to really make right. that good a living. And that's fine. It's worth it to have a, a quality of life. But um, how do you stay sensitive to that in, the, in your outreach to alumni? Well, that's where we're kind of or encouraging people. I mean, I just recently finally, I'll say this publicly, <laughs> signed up um, for... A monthly gift at NPR. I listen to it every morning on my way to work. It's how I get my news. And they were doing their drive, and I thought I can give five dollars a month like that. I spend that on lunch every day when I shouldn't. But <laughs> I mean, so when you break it down and think you'll spend that on a cup of coffee, even if it's two dollars, but it's just. And I felt so good after I did that because. You know, it does impact my life, and it's part of my life every day. Because I think people who have never donated, and it's not part, philanthropy is just hasn't been part of their life, they think it's not for them, and it's only for people who have a larger income, where a little goes a long way, and the more people who give a little, the better everything is. I'm sure you know this is a development officer. You have to... Um, like maintain donor relations so for those big time donations it's just as much phone time and email time and maintenance as it would be to cultivate a hundred ten dollar donors and you might end up with the same financial outcome anyway how do you how do you navigate that also for um for a festival you know I know there are year-round offerings of a kind but what does that look like for your work schedule? That was something new to me because in uh, West Palm Beach, my summers, because in South Florida, all the New Yorkers go back to New York for the summer. So it would become <laughs> very slow during the summer. So having the complete opposite, that was different. Since ADF has opened their year-round studios on Broad Street, um, where we have classes, gorgeous studios, we're about to enter our fourth year, and that has really helped to create a year-round presence. We have classes that range from infants with their caretakers all the way up to 
senior citizens and all different levels and techniques. And we really utilize the space also when artists come in to have residencies, rehearsals. So that has helped. And this was our second year we did a spring celebration event to kind of launch the season. So we're slowly trying to find more ways to be involved year-round with the community. What is your day-to-day like? I mean, are you responsible for writing the grants and you know, doing the grant accountability stuff afterward? And what does that look like schedule-wise for you? Right. Well, during the year uh, is very... I'm writing a lot. That's where most of the grant preparation and proposal writing takes place, preparing for the season, researching new foundation prospects, and speaking with people and going back to foundations, you know, given the economy that may have stopped funding the arts and maybe going back to that now, so staying current on, you know, past giving for the organization. And then assisting the department was split into two roles two years ago. We used to just have a development director, director of development with an assistant. And we have now have had myself and then a director of individual giving and corporate relations. So we can kind of focus on our task at hand. My colleague, he is responsible for events, but during the year I'll assist him on all of the events. And then during the summer, I'm making sure, obviously, attending all of the shows. An amazing job, Kirk. But also, I have to go back and report on them. And just, so it's a balance act of being aware of what's going on in every aspect of the festival. So I can then do the reporting on that. And I work with our finance department on a lot of that as well. There's one program I wanted to ask about in particular that I didn't know existed until right before I got here last week. It's like for 18 to 30-year-olds. ADF Go. ADF Go, that's it. Tell me what what initiated that. It's such a good idea for establishing a new arts patronage, but I, I, what, what's paying for it? And what's... Well, so that, this is our third year in that program, and it was designed from hearing in the community that demographics, saying they would love to see shows, but they can't afford the tickets. So we'll make them affordable. <laughs> and that's what we did. And it, it wasn't just about making them affordable, but creating a culture around it. So right. there's a lot of meetups that happen at different bars and things like that. So it just becomes part of that age group, their social life. And we had a, a large launch party this year that was so much fun. It was following the performance of Palopolis. And it was like we had an awesome DJ, just a big dance party. And that we got support from the PNC Foundation. So the program every year we see more growth of people taking advantage of it. So it's exciting. There was this book written, Curtains? Question mark. And it's about so the future of the arts in America and where public funding is going and where you know, family support is going. If every Broadway audience is going to be people who can afford $800 Hamilton tickets, how do you pay a living wage to artists, but also get those communities in the door to care about them in the first place? Um, What has your experience with that been like from a grant writing perspective? And has that sort of informed what you seek out in grants for ADF? 
our ideal grant proposal. Um, well, we kind of have, like, a, if you want to separate into a few categories, um, we have a very large outreach program called ADF Project Dance, which reaches out into the community. And we offer scholarships that are year-round studio. And then there's the commissioning of new work. And to find support for that is very precious and important. And I think it's, um, that has been challenging to find the foundations that are still supporting the creative process and new work. And I, a trend that is happening is collaborations with other organizations and sharing of tours and productions. One thing, and this goes back to finding something that will attract other, or attract someone who may not be interested in modern dance, introduce them to a way where we're starting to work on some projects that collaborate with, um, there's a big startup tech boom happening in Durham. I think it's rated like the fifth in the country. So it's like really exciting, the energy that's happening. And ADF is very similar in the way it operates. And we support these artists in every sense of the way so they can create the work that they believe in, that we believe in to put on stage that needs to be seen. So we're working on projects through some grant funding that um, will include both. So it's about being creative, and but there are some tremendous foundations that continue to support that. As a dancer, how do you make it clear to the non-artist or the non-dancer how important that process is? You know, you can argue all day long about the utility of different jobs and how it's okay to cut arts funding when there's less to go around, but how do you make it clear with your language or with your you know, behavior in, in development that that's important and that that, that culture is, is important? That's a big question. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, one is just the human aspect of it and for people to be able to come and see the world at their fingertips. And I, after I completed my first festival, I was just blown away. I mean, I've obviously been watching dance and traveled to Europe and I've seen companies all over. And, but to see so much condensed at one time, and even if it may not be your taste, you have to create, I mean, these artists are so um, dedicated to their vision that you just enter their world for the 60 minutes or 90 minutes and and they it teaches you something this is what you know I say in my writing that it, it can teach somebody something about the world or about themselves or about you know their environment or their community and um, it's just it's good for your soul <laughs> <laughs> and then there's you know the aspect of how incorporating the arts in schools, which is something ADF is very passionate about and we do, helps children with our education on so many levels. If I didn't go to a performing arts high school and have dance be part of my education, I probably wouldn't have done as well. You know, and um, even if you're not going to be an artist, just having that creative outlet is so important to see it and to be in it and experience it. One idea that I think about a lot is um, that it's okay to make bad art. Like, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, like, I want to take that class, but I'm going to look stupid. Or I want to I want to participate in that, but I'm going to feel like I'm going to be out of place. I'll be the worst person in the room. And, like, 
somebody has to be, you know, and it's okay. It's not an inherently bad thing to do something that you're just okay at. I think that's a really interesting challenge that I imagine is, is faced in a place like Durham where ADF is the dance hub of, you know, arguably of North Carolina outside of NC arts. Do you bring that personal experience into your, into your work and development? I think through conversation, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Because um, I, I, I'm a product of it, <laughs> you know, and I'm hoping my daughter, who's four, will be a product of it too. And what you were saying about making that art, I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about modern dance. Because you know, if you in anything in life, if you don't take risks and you don't just try something in you know wholeheartedly, then you're gonna miss out. And that, I mean, what ADF does is it supports these artists to investigate and to try and, you know, with our commissioning of new work before it goes someplace else, like what a stage to see it on. And one thing I do talk about to donors is seeing a company perform at ADF is not like seeing it anyplace else. There's just an energy from the students in the audience watching these companies and when the companies come to perform at ADF, that if you go to another city to see them, you may not feel an experience. I, it's funny you mentioned that. Last night, I went to see the John Jaspers show with my significant other. And, and I find dance utterly engrossing. I think it is just captivating. And it, you're, I think you're right. I think there's something about being in this, in this environment that brings it to a whole other level. You know, I I was captivated, and I'm always captivated by dance performances, but not like that. And it's it's hard to put a finger on, but I'm glad that you're working that into the development aspect. I want to ask you one more thing about, and this is something I I intend, this is the first of a couple of dance interviews for the show. And this is something I intend to bring up in each of them. But one thing I find particularly valuable about dance, you know, dance has that... uh, sort of unique demand for empathy like everyone has a body right not everybody can sing not everybody can you know make a movie or not everyone has the resources for x y and z but anyone who can feel empathy can watch a dance performance and just they're there they can imagine being there they can imagine that and that's such a that's sort of a (laughs) a dying art (laughs) to be to be empathetic and to to engage with performance in that way. Do you incorporate that unique trait of dance into getting support for the arts? Yeah, I think it's definitely included in our argument, if you will, <laughs> that, that dance is accessible and should be to everybody. And it's, again, once you're you have that entry point that exposes you to it, you'll you'll get it and you'll understand it. And as far as having to communicate that through writing, I would say it's more challenging because you can say it till you're blue in the face and if nobody has been there to experience, and that's why it's important to really program a season that shows important work but also such a range of work. I ask everyone this, and I will ask you, uh, what is the hardest part of your job? Can I say two things? Of course. Okay. I would say one, like, 
the challenging part is finding new sources of funding. So if there's any foundation <laughs> out there, because <laughs> um, it, it gets narrowed down by the region and this or this. So it's a very complicated process that takes a lot of time. So that's challenging. And then I think the other is to try to express the magnitude and the importance of ADF in a thousand characters <laughs> is challenging. And that's why it's so important in our department. We have these six weeks to engage this audience, to experience it. And I'm going to trade it for the world, though. <laughs> what, is, what is the best aspect of it? Feeling that I'm contributing and this art form that has literally been my life and my, I'll quote Stephen Petronio from his, my bloodline from the time I was 12 and took my first modern dance class. And I mean, I like could cry about it. That's the most rewarding thing. I'm curious what you would recommend to someone, whether they're a dancer who wants to stay in the arts, but maybe not as a performer or someone who's just interested in development and philanthropy work. Um, what you recommend, whether it's education or financial planning or whatever, for putting together a life that is sort of both sustainable and enjoyable in, in supporting the arts. What do you what do you recommend? I think you have to love it. You have to hundred percent like be passionate about it and have to love it. I think that's with any philanthropy work in whatever genre or field you're working in. You have to be passionate about it or people won't believe you. And it's you have to do it because you love it. As far as education, there you can absolutely get, you know, a college degree in administration or development, or there's these nonprofit management master's programs now. And I think that they are very helpful, but I also think experience is what is most helpful. Is there anything else that you want to share about your work with ADF or with dance? Just, I love it. I think it's so <laughs> important. <and laughs> Donate to the alumni. <laughs> well, Diana, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. For having me. And there you have it. Diana Huffmaster, Director of Grants and Development Operations at the American Dance Festival. If you made it this far, subscribe to the newsletter, tinyletter.com slash so what do you do. If you're on Facebook, you can follow the show at SWDYD Radio. I'm off to interview Dave Herbert. He's the executive director of New Orleans' Marini Opera House. He's also a recent addition to the board at ADF. So even though we live like 12 blocks away from each other in New Orleans, I am interviewing him here in Durham. This has been another episode of So What Do You Do? And I am Colleen McClellan. Have a glorious day, and I will see you next time.